3: You're back online. You're on the best route.
1: This is the Soapbox Champion Podcast. It's episode 89. It's Tuesday. It's July 11th. 2023. My name is Craig Delaney. How do I know it's Tuesday? Because there's a new episode of this podcast. You guys, this, this happens every Tuesday. Uh hey, I'm just gonna jump right in. Do you guys do you guys like cocaine? Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you like topless parties? Do you like the White House? What if I told you? There are cocaine-fueled, topless parties at the White House. It's happening, it seems, right now. Where to start? Surely, by now, you've seen the video of the trans men and women topless on the White House lawn, right? There were three of them that ended up getting banned from the White House, but not before they had their day. On the same day as the U.S. flag was flown at the White House at the same level, as the pride flag. I thought that was some sort of law. This was about a month ago, and, and you probably think, I know, Craig, that's old news. Well, yes, it is, and I wasn't even going to mention it at all. But now this coupled with cocaine at the White House, <laughs> I have to talk about it. Sure, have your pride day. Be proud. But what's that got to do with being lewd? And I've said this 10 times on here before I'm not a prude. I don't, that's not it. What's that got to do with not acting your age? Are you proud of that? That's uh, what's with all the extra that no one needs to see or wants. No one wanted to see you topless before your transition. And we sure the hell don't want to see you topless now that you've deformed your body. Cut it out. You're annoying, no matter what your gender. There were families there, and it was the White House, you know. I mean, be extra, but also know your crowd. That's the problem. That's what's stirring the pot. Know your crowd, guys, and that goes for all of us. The White House allowed that to happen, and now apparently. It's super easy to sneak cocaine in too. Uh, still, old news, right? Yeah, maybe. But if you haven't noticed by now, I'm not the news. I don't care about the headlines. You can get that anywhere. TV, your phone, radio, work, I don't whatever. I care about all of the BS that is behind and surrounding the headlines. That's the stuff that I like. That's what we talk about here. And there is a ton of that surrounding the coke that was found inside the White House. Come on. Who do you think of the second you heard they found it? Who did you think? So, initial dispatch noted the white substance was found in the library. But as time passed, the story changed. They changed the story. So, so in a matter of hours, the call came in stating cocaine found in the library changed to it was found in the West Wing in an area. They make it sound like everyone just off the street can access it, just walk right in and, and put your stuff in this little cubby hole, they call it. So it could have been anyone on Earth, essentially, is what they're trying to make you believe. Now, they say it was specifically left in the cubby of a storage facility where visitors keep their phones in lockboxes. Like someone was going to say, oh, shoot, I can't bring this dime sack in the White House. I'll just leave it here with my cell phone. It's not how that works, and we all know it. It's BS. And now, it's been a week, and no word of who left it there? It's not Target, you know, where the whole place is full of camera dead spots. It's The White House, a common area, every inch is covered and they know exactly who it was that night they knew. So why the secrecy? You know why. Now we watch as everyone stops talking about it and that will be the end of it. And it's your fault. It's my fault. We put up with this crap. We let it happen. We allow it to happen earlier Uh, This week on the No Agenda podcast, which is my number one, uh, John C. Dvorak brings this up about press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, and he is exactly right. Listen to how many times she hammers home what the new story must be. Um... (laughs) But she repeats a
2: phrase Sorry. over and over and over and over and over. Not to listen And you're going to have you. to try to figure <laughs> out what it is. Because I might ready? not catch it. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. You okay. might
3: not catch it. Okay, I'm ready to go. Uh, here we go. Here yeah. we go. Here we go.
0: Where, uh, where this was discovered uh, is a heavily traveled area where many White House uh, West Wing... I should be even more specific. Uh, West Wing... Visitors uh, come through uh, this particular area. When people visit the West Wing, uh, there is uh, an air, There is the area of the West Wing where uh, it is highly uh, traveled, uh, and that is yeah, what happens. Up. People come through this particular area, it's highly traveled. I'm just not going to get into specifics. We do have uh, West Wing tours that, that occur here uh, on campus. Uh, they happen in this particular past uh, couple of days. They happen on Friday, they happen on Saturday uh, and Sunday.
1: You can imagine her frustration with the Biden administration. All she seems to do is cover for the family, right? Uh, I'm sure that's not what she planned on doing. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe she was briefed on what would be expected of her in this way. We will never know. And last Friday, Jean-Pierre got frustrated at a New York Post reporter who asked her, about the cocaine, like she wasn't expecting everyone to ask about it. Listen to her.
3: Um,
0: sorry to bring up cocaine again, but um, there was a question yesterday during the press gaggle with um, Andrew Bates that was, I guess, he said that it had. He did. He was avoiding it because of the Hatch Act. I'm just asking again. Can you just say once and for all whether or not the cocaine belonged to the Biden family? So. <laughs> A couple of things there. Um, (laughs) He mentioned the hatchback because the question was posed to him in the Donald in using Donald Trump, and so he was trying to be very mindful. (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay, I I hear you, but you're asking me a question, so I'm answering it for you, Um, and so that's why he said the hatchback. So I would, I would, you know. Have you read the transcript and read the transcript fully so you can see exactly what he was trying to say. So that's number one. So we're not avoiding the question. That is not true. We've answered this question, litigated this question for the last two days exhaustively. Um, You know, there has been some irresponsible reporting uh, about the family. And uh, and so I got to call that out here. And I have been very clear. I was clear uh, two days ago when talking about this over and over again, as I was being asked a question, as you know, and media outlets reported this, the Biden family was not here. They were not here. They were at Camp David. They were not here Friday. They were not here Saturday. They were not here Sunday. They were not even here Monday. They came back on Tuesday. So to ask that question is actually incredibly irresponsible and and, um, I'll just leave it there.
1: I believe her. I believe her, because if the Biden family was there, that dime sack wouldn't have stood a chance. It would have been gone by 9 a.m. That's why I believe her. Uh, All of this is outrageous. You get what you ask for. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the current Democratic Party making a mockery of the truth, making a mockery of our laws, and making a mockery of this nation in front of the world. Congratulations. I encourage you. And I have before and will continue to do so. If you, if you ever have any doubt on how the rest of the world sees us, you have information at your fingertips. Go. Look at the media from around the globe. Just choose a country. Throw a dart and a map. Load it. They're all making fun of us right now as we speak. As you listen and I speak, they're making fun of us. Uh, I think Trump, Trump lifted the rock. And this, all of this, all the insects, they're scurrying, and, and that's what we're watching right now. The modern Democrat has been revealed, and it's not good. We all get a vote. Who the hell could vote for more of this? And after the next election, if we get a Republican administration that plays these stupid games, too, this show will go on. I don't play favorites. I did that for too many years, you know, being a Republican. It's not that simple anymore. Uh, The difference between candidates is massive now. The stakes are too high to vote blindly, and the results are world-changing now. They are life-changing. So pay attention, you guys. And as a side note, and without the comedy, I am starting to believe, and this, this pains me, I want this to be a Biden scandal, but uh I might believe it was it was left there by a visitor and I have a I think I have an interesting take on that. I think it may have been because the secret service is not covering for the Bidens on this. They're not uh I really think if they thought it was a Biden family member It's funny. I'm not. I dare say who I think it is. It. I think if they thought it was, it was that family members, they just would have put it in their pocket, went home with it, or disposed of it, and we never would have heard of it. I. I kind of think that. I, I mean. They're the Secret Service for a reason. There's a reason why there's not regular cops there doing all this stuff because regular cops would want to get to the bottom of it, and the Secret Service just wants everything smooth and everything. You know, I don't, I don't know. I that's 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 why I think it. I, we're fifty fifty right now, guys, right here on the podcast. I'm fifty fifty on whether or not this bag of coke was Hunter Biden's or just some dude that came on a field trip or something. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but moving on, uh, the Philly July 4th shooting. That's all we talk about here. Guys It's scandals and shootings. It seems right. Can we, can we be done with it? A suspect wearing a bulletproof vest shot and killed five men and injured two children in Philadelphia. Kim Brady character 40 was caught shortly after in the sittings, uh, in the city's, uh, King Sessing neighborhood Monday night, the Philadelphia inquirer reported, uh, what do we notice about this shooting, everyone? Well, you probably don't notice anything about it because no one is talking about it. Again, it's gone. I mean, why aren't they talking about it? I'm going to simply refer to a Vice article from uh, from Vice.com as as soon as this happened or or whatever. Uh, I'm going to throw it over here so you guys can see it for the video people. Hey, video people. Bam. From Vice News, the article says the far right is already using the Philadelphia shooting to smear trans people. There's no evidence the suspect was trans. And he posted repeatedly about his pro-gun stance and his support for former President Donald Trump. Uh, That's just the headline, you guys. It's outrageous. They say there's there's no evidence, but just go uh, go uh, go Google Kim Brady character. Uh, I'm sure you'll have to whittle all all the Kim Brady characters down to the one we're talking about. But uh, there's only one. That's that. Uh, uh, Hint, hint. There's only one. And there are several pictures where he is wearing tank tops with a bra, padded bra. Several. Uh, uh, There's plenty of evidence he might be trans. If he's not, uh, there's something else going on. Either way, it's mental illness, you guys. This has nothing to do with trans people. Uh, I want to tread lightly because I don't want to be that guy. I'm not I'm not far right. I'm not far anything. I think I'm just observant and I like to clear the fog sometimes. So let me clear this fog. I try to pay attention. And I haven't personally seen any anti-trans talk regarding this shooting. But I have seen plenty of talk regarding mental illness disproportionately attached to transgenders. As in, it is a mental illness, and that's okay. That's not a dig. That's not name-calling. It is a mental illness, okay? It is on the medical books as a mental illness. Gender dysphoria refers to the mismatch between gender identity and birth-assigned sex. That concept was coined by psychiatrist Norman M. Fisk in the early 1970s, but... Here's where it gets complicated. Having gender dysphoria can be normal and it's most certainly real and and an accepted diagnosis. I don't think most people are angry about that. What people are angry about, and I am those people, is the growing number of transgenders left untreated for the dysphoria. That leaves a great number of mentally ill people untreated. There's the problem. I've said it before, and I'll say it again later, probably in this podcast. Trans people today are a pharmaceutical cash cow. Congratulations. Most insurance will cover psychiatric care and treatment. It's complicated, but not expensive. And therein lies the the problem for big pharma. Big pharma can't make the big money. The big money is in gender reassignment and the lifetime of drugs and therapy that they will be on for the rest of their lives and the lifetime of therapy tacked on to all of that. That's what people like me are upset about. The powers that be are more than just letting these people mutilate themselves mentally and physically. They're encouraging it for profit. I would argue it's becoming a crime against humanity. And speaking of healthcare in the U.S., I watched a panel over the weekend on C-SPAN. I know. Don't ask. It was hosted by the Cato Institute. C-A-T-O. Hey, what's that thing? You ask. So did I. I've been from Wikipedia. The Cato Institute is an American libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C. It was founded in 1977 by Ed Crane, Murray Rothbard, and Charles Koch, chairman of the board and chief, chief executive officer of Koch Industries. Cato was established to focus on public advocacy, media exposure, and social influence. Cato advocates for a limited governmental role in domestic and foreign affairs, as well as strong protection of civil liberties. The panel that I watched was from March 31st of this year. And from C-SPAN's description, quote, the Cato Institute hosted a discussion on on the impacts of potentially ending the tax exemption for employer-sponsored health insurance. The panelists included economists and, and uh, uh Jason Furman, the econ- uh, the economic advisor for uh to president obama and, th- th- and a few more I'll name them in a minute. they talked about the potential advantages and disadvantages to ending the tax exemption as well as uh concurrent policy changes that would benefit taxpayers and citizens' health care outcomes end quote so on the panel, it was not a very large panel were the following people uh Brian Blaze, the president of the Paragon Health Institute, Michael Cannon, Cato Institute Health Policy Studies Director, Amy Amy Finkelstein, MIT Economics Professor, Jason Furman, Harvard University Kennedy School of Government Economic Policy Professor, and Richard Hines, American Benefits Council Senior Advisor. To set the mood uh, for this thing, listen to... Uh, Harvard's Jason Furman.
3: Two things that have changed in the last 20 years. One is there was much less employer dropping as a result of the Affordable Care Act than the Congressional Budget Office predicted than a lot of people were expecting. Uh, so I've updated I've, I've my view on how elastic that is, and in part because employers have benefits that some of you have cited. Um, they select plans for you. They, Harvard does all this work to figure out the three best options for me. And then, Michael, I, I take the HSA one. Um, The hydroxyl one. Um, And so, you know, there's just a lot of benefits. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and I assume that in addition to this being an event to –
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dwight were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: You know. So to get everyone to raise taxes, it's also to get everyone to celebrate the Affordable Care Act. Um
1: It was sort of sickening to listen to these people. So much so that I watched the whole damn thing. And I'm glad I did, because these are some of the leading economists in higher education in the United States, and I got to hear them and this bizarre bit that I'm gonna play now. It was so like, I just, you'll see. The differences in but, on this panel as to whether we, we care about people
4: or not. But importantly, if we care about people. Uh, which we, which we, we, I know you do, Michael, that's-, and and are, that's we, what are, what we are we really
3: gonna do. have a show of hands for that
4: cares one? about people? <laughs> My hand's highest.
1: I didn't think it was funny and it wasn't funny at the time when, <laughs> when they did it, it was just really oddball. The panel was discussing the high cost of health insurance in the U.S. and what what are some ideas to solve that. Almost unanimously, their answer was higher taxes somehow. It was really bizarre. These people are shaping minds, bright minds that most likely will go on to do big things. And This was all tough to listen to, but there was one shining voice of the people, it seemed, on this panel, and that was the Cato Institute's Michael Cannon, and I I liked what he had to say several times, actually.
4: There are these two threads in in the economics literature uh, when it comes to employer-sponsored health insurance that economists rarely join together when they're talking about the exclusion of employer-sponsored health insurance. One is the stuff that we've been talking about, uh, the effects that it has on incentives that the uh, the exclusion has on incentives at the margin and how it locks people into jobs and that sort of thing. Uh, The other one, though, is... Is a, has to do with a question, one of the raise your hands questions that Brian asked, which is, do workers pay for employer-sponsored health benefits in the form of reduced wages? A lot of people think that because the employer writes the check, that the employer bears the cost of employer-sponsored health insurance, and that's not the case at all. So economic theory, uh, a, a pretty robust economic literature, and mainstream opinion among health economists uh, all hold the same thing, that the employee bears the full cost of employer-sponsored health insurance in the form of reduced uh, cash wages and other forms of compensation. But unfortunately, when we have discussions about this, and I read uh, uh, studies and reports about employer-sponsored insurance and the exclusion, almost no one takes that point seriously.
1: It was interesting, just strange. And I hope the Cato Institute has some sort of Pool in these matters, but probably not. You can think about something all you want, but unless someone trusts or wants your outcome, what are you doing? Just thought all that was interesting, and out of nowhere, uh, let's get on to some quick topics and thoughts. That's my new thing that I'm gonna do here. Before we wrap things up, you know what else is interesting? Senator Marco Rubio. Talking about UFOs. Uh, News Nation interviewed Rubio a couple of weeks ago, and the Internet loved it. Uh, UFO whistleblower David Gresh came up during the interview, and it, it led to the following.
3: We'll say there are people that have come forward to share information with our committee over the last couple of years. I would imagine some of them are potentially some of the same people that perhaps he's referring to. I want to be very protective of these people. A lot of these people came to us even before these protections were in the law for whistleblowers to come forward. Sorry, people, people who have had firsthand knowledge, who claim to have firsthand knowledge of seeing this type of thing? Or, or have firsthand knowledge or firsthand claims of certain things. Uh, some are public figures, you know, and, and you've heard from them in the past. Others, um, you know, have, have not shared publicly. And so we're trying to gather as much of that information as we can. But I, and the reason why I'm being cautious, I'm not trying to be evasive, but I am trying to be protective of these people. Some of these people still work in the government. And frankly, a lot of them are very fearful, fearful of their jobs, fearful of their clearances, fearful of their career. And, and, and some, frankly, are fearful of harm coming to them. So that category of people who have firsthand knowledge, who say they have actually seen these kinds of things, do you find many of them credible? Well, I don't find them either... Not credible or credible because we have no basis. About, we understand some of these claims are things that are beyond sort of the realm of what any of us has ever dealt with. What I think we owe them is just a mature, you know, understanding, listening and, and trying to put these all these pieces together and just sort of intake the information without any prejudgment or jumping to any conclusions in one direction or another. I will say I find most of these people at some point or maybe even currently have held very high clearances and high positions within our government. So, you start at, you do ask yourself, like, what incentive would so many people with that kind of um, qualification, these are serious people, have to come forward and make
1: something up? This makes me think something. First, I don't trust Rubio, never have. With that being said, and second, it made me think that maybe we're being set up. Could the government? have the plan to do something so crazy that they need to lay the groundwork for a crazy explanation. A lot of people have spent their entire lives just begging the government to take them seriously about UFOs. And now it seems like they are, or at least acting like they are. And, and that naturally makes me nervous. Are you glad the government is acknowledging these things, or do you wish they would stay out of it? I'm just glad UFOs are in the news, to be honest. It's exciting. And someone brought up that video of the school gymnasium where that company that creates holograms and uh, uh, augmented reality presented that whale jumping out of the floor and splashing water all over the place. If you haven't seen that, it's it's a couple years old, I think. And I kind of saw it and then forgot all about it. But if you haven't seen it, you should go find it. It is spectacular if it's real. I have questions after rewatching it a few times recently. Something about the kids. To me, they aren't quite looking at the correct area altogether. And it's difficult to explain if you haven't seen the video. It's just another reason. Go check out that video and uh, tell me if you see what I see. Well, the company that, that supposedly presented that in that gymnasium is called Magic Leap, and they produce augmented reality. Uh, think it of think of it as an, it's not virtual reality, it's an, think of it like an, an overlay on your environment, your real environment. They've been around since 2010, and it's it's neat, it is, and and this stuff was running fast, toe to toe, as VR started to take off. And I remember paying really close attention to both, both areas of, of uh, tech. And it seemed like it reminded me of the HD DVD versus Blu-ray uh, race. You know, in the was the early 2000s. When was that? Do you remember that? When we, and there was a time when we had both medium. And depending on what kind of player you had was the type of disc you bought. And we all knew that one was going to win out over the other and time would tell. And back when augmented reality and and, uh, VR were running head to head, I felt exactly like that. I thought one of these things is going to take off and the other one we'll never hear about. And I I always rooted for VR because augmented reality seemed a very productive thing with almost zero entertainment for me. Uh, uh, Very productive. Very still. It's what they do now. Uh, But but anyway, uh, I think VR won the gaming space like right out of the gate and augmented reality is kind of taking over other spaces. But that's fine. But I looked up Magic Leap uh, yesterday and saw a few of their acquisitions over the years. A cybersecurity company, a military startup, and a few others. But then, as I jumped from one page to the next, just trying to find something interesting on this company, I saw W.E.F., the World Economic Forum, Magic Leap. We're part of the World Economic Forum in 2022. It's confusing. But if you get a few steps away from the WEF website or the Magic Leap website, the word is that Magic Leap has partnered with the World Economic Forum. Either side will come out and say it. And I couldn't find it on either's website. But other websites talking about this subject uh, and cover such things are saying they did magic leap has a big presence or had a big presence in WEF uh, WF 2022 and even gave a talk and a presentation, but why, how do they tie in with all the secrecy that takes place uh, every year in Davos, Switzerland, Switzerland under so tight security. I'm not sure, but it creeps me out. And now they're on my radar. Uh, So, prepare to hear more about them in the future, really. Um, It's time for sugar. Sugar! Guys, prepare yourselves. I'm going to break a rule. It's an unspoken rule that I've never proclaimed out loud that I remember. But it's a rule on this podcast, nonetheless. I'm going to talk about something I really know nothing about. I know. There are a few things left, you guys. I'm going to tell you about a movie, but what's weird is it's a movie I haven't seen yet. But it's sugar this week because I already know it's good. And you want to know how I know that? Because it's had people divided over something none of us should be divided over. If you're a fan of movies based on true stories, you may have heard of the movie Sound of Freedom. It's a film that tells the story of Tim Ballard, a former US government agent who founded Operation Underground Railroad, an organization that rescues children from sex trafficking. The movie stars uh, Jim Caviezel as Ballard and Mira Sorvino as his wife. That's cool. I haven't heard from her in a long time. Sound of Freedom has been making headlines for its controversial and graphic depiction of child abuse and exploitation. Some critics have praised the movie for raising awareness and exposing the horrors of human trafficking, while others have slammed it for being sensationalist, inaccurate, and manipulative. This is based on a true story, by the way. The movie has also faced legal challenges and distribution issues, quote unquote, making it hard to find in theaters or online. So why are people talking about The Sound of Freedom, really? Well... It depends on who you ask. Some might say it's it's a powerful and inspiring film that honors the victims and heroes of this global crisis, and it is a global crisis. Others might say it's a propaganda piece that exploits the suffering of children for political and religious agendas. Others can say whatever the hell they want. This topic should be sensational. The first definition of the word sensational is, quote, causing great public interest and excitement, end quote. That's from the Oxford Dictionary. You see, I haven't seen it, but I will. I've been asked about it and I've been told about it. But by the reactions of certain groups alone, I know it's worth watching. I mean, what's it going to take? The powers that be seemingly refuse to act on these global crimes against children. A sensational film like this that generates so much media, I bet Hollywood would be tripping all over themselves to get in on it and sell as many tickets as they could. That's what they do. But creepily enough, Hollywood didn't jump at this chance at all. As a matter of fact, they seemed to try really really hard to suppress it. No distributor would distribute it. The film itself was hindered at first by low budget, no backers, but was able to get crowdfunding to get it done. Tickets are tickets, folks. A dollar is a dollar. They make trash like Super Babies and Sausage Party to chase that cash. But not this time. It makes me wonder why Hollywood doesn't want anyone to see it. And I'm talking about the people of Hollywood. The movers, the shakers. The people that can get 2014's Left Behind made, currently sitting at a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. People like disgraced producer Harvey Weinstein. He was at the top In Hollywood. Seen it all, had it all. But I suppose one could only masturbate into a potted plant in front of an A-list actress so much before you may want something else. Sound of Freedom is sitting at 78% on Rotten Tomatoes right now with a 99% audience score. Uh, If you don't know Rotten Tomatoes, I'm going to just say, that's a good. uh, Oh, Hollywood must have misread this one or something, right? Anything that attempts to shed light on a topic like child trafficking should get full support, right? It should be shoved into the spotlight. So why did no one in Hollywood want it in the spotlight? Did it hit too close to home? Were they afraid it would stir up the Epstein case? Lord knows they've all done absolutely everything to put a lid on that. Not a peep in months about that. The FBI has Epstein's client list, remember? It's not like they can't find it or it doesn't exist. They have it in their possession, in a drawer somewhere. So who was investigated? Who was convicted? The answer is no one. With now, you got to ask why. Just like you got to ask why they didn't want this movie to come out. So let's all go see what they don't want anyone to see. Let's go see what Hollywood didn't support. Go find tickets. And let's just see for ourselves. Let's talk about that next week because that is it for this episode. I do this every Tuesday, guys, if you haven't picked up on that already. Every Tuesday at 6:30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Earlier in video form over on odyssey.com. You can listen, you know, wherever you get your podcast. I'm just glad you listen. And please follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and now Threads. Why? Why do why do we need that? I'm there. I don't know what to do with it I understand it It's federated Like Mastodon And all that That I'm familiar with I just don't I don't know why We need another one I don't know Zuckerberg What are you doing dude Uh Open up your browser On your original Xbox And compose an email To the show At info.soapboxchampion At gmail.com Or leave a voicemail At 812-610-9004 I appreciate every listen I get So thank you If it all seems too much I've got you upset About anything call the national crisis suicide lifeline 988 just 988 you can even text it if you want come back listen next week you guys I'm looking forward to it I'll talk to you then see ya